Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Galvin? Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 48. I'm your special host for this episode, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. Joining me today here to recap day two of the 2019 NFL Draft, the Master of Ceremony. May he reign forever. He is Brandon Lee Gowton. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. All of this, of course, I got to pause to say this, brought to you by the five folks at SB Nation. BLG, how you doing, brother? Mike, uh, it's good to be here with you. A lot to talk about with a lot of moving parts with the Eagles and what they're doing in this draft. Yeah, speaking of moving parts, there is a lot going on. And because of that, we have some quick house cleaning to do that we didn't get to previously. And that's the news of Timmy Jernigan, the defensive tackle, signing a one-year deal with the Eagles. I don't think that changed the draft strategy at all, as we heard about a lot of interest and Christian Wilkins, the Eagles possibly moving up to 13, which also means I don't have a ton of confidence he even makes the roster ultimately. But it's news that got lost in the shuffle of reacting to the draft. Of course, we're going to cover the draft, the day two picks, all that here. But before we get to that, is there anything you'd like to add about the Timmy Jernigan signing? Yeah, back when the Eagles had that decision to make to, you know, whether to pick up Timmy Jernigan's option or to decline it. And obviously, we all knew they were going to decline it. You weren't going to be paying um, whatever it was. I think they saved like $7 million by declining to pick it up for a guy who only played 45 snaps last year and, and had a potential career ending, which was, by the way, like his kind of words, not just speculation. Like he said, his he thought his career might be over when he suffered that undisclosed mystery uh, herniated disc in his back last offseason. So like, I thought it was kind of weird when he, like, I, I felt like Timmy Jernigan, what was best for him was to come back to the Eagles before they kind of declined that option and, like, be willing to take a pay cut. Like, I think him making it to the market only hurt him because, hmm. you know, he, what was he going to find out there? Nothing. Like, you know, it's a it's a draft that's loaded with talent. There's a lot of defensive lineman talent and free agency as well. So, and the fact that we haven't seen these contracts details come out yet for Timmy Jernigan, probably tells us that it's not you know uh, a great deal for him uh, I, I you know it's a one-year deal I would think he's gonna be on the team this year especially because right now you know on paper Fletcher Cox Malik Jackson Timmy Jernigan and then even Trayvon Hester looks like a pretty good group of defensive tackles and then again we'll see what the Eagles do here still on day three of the NFL draft but yeah I'm not uh, I'm not shocked Jernigan is back. You know, I thought it made sense to bring him back if you could get him on this kind of probably cheap, uh, low-risk deal that I'm assuming the Eagles got him on. And uh, it's good. If he's healthy, that's great. Definitely. And it'll be interesting to see, just like you said, with day three, the ripple effect from that, if they still have faith that Jernigan will be there. If not, if they're still fine with the current rotation that they had. Again, we mentioned the interest in Wilkins. A lot of my favorite, you know, darlings from the interior defensive line class are off the board at this point. Let's talk about a guy that's not 
off the board before we get to the Eagles selections because this is a guy that that jerk, Benjamin Solak, was trying to sell you on. (laughs) To select at 25, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has seen a massive slide. We're recording at the very end of the third round. So if you get selected here, we'll try to update you. But we might miss this as we go through the last few picks of the round. But BLG, what's wrong with Ben? What's his deal? How did he not know? He's supposed to be connected to these things. Very disappointed. Uh, Going to have to seriously consider firing Ben from the podcast, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. It, but I mean, that kind of just speaks to how unpredictable everything is, right? Like, you know, we we go into the draft, we all think we know what's going to happen to some extent, and then you know, Farrell gets taken at four, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson slips out of or out of potentially until day three if he doesn't get yeah. picked tonight. So, like, you know, who knows with these things? It's unpredictable. I mean, I guess you know, in an Eagles context here, Mike, like, how surprised are you that none of their first three picks are defensive players? They're it's all offense so far. Yeah, they're really loading up on offense, and I'm fascinated by that because it seems like, and, and it's not like the manner that we may have thought with like the speed threat, but we'll talk about that. And yeah, they, they haven't even touched the defensive position. We know that they had replacement level starters that, that they could probably upgrade at the linebacker position. We know that safety is something that we're, we were looking at before the draft. They brought in a ton of official visits for like the top tier type of guys. At least that's what we thought anyway. I mean, Darnell Savage was one of the guys that, that we brought in and he went 21st overall. You know, opposite story for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Juan Thornhill went in day two, but they had a lot of interest in the position. It's like a long term feel. They must have really loved the guys that were there and had them high on the board for them to go offense, offense, offense like that. And let's get into some of those offensive players. We'll start talking about the picks here. Miles Sanders, running back at 53 overall in the second round. You know, BLG, I was really hoping for one of the safeties that we've been pounding the table for right here at 53. I thought the board was falling perfectly there. Uh, But we've been told by several people that the Eagles were in love with Sanders. So it really wasn't a big surprise. I mean, productive player, 1,274 yards last year in the run game, added only 139 yards receiving, so you hope he develops more there. Maybe it's one of those what can he do versus what he was asked to do type situations because he certainly has the athletic ability to improve in that area. He tested pretty well. Uh, One thing that he has to clean up, and we talked about this with Benjamin Solak, or at least I did, I know fumbles aren't necessarily sticky from year to year, but his average of 2.6 fumbles per 100 carries was a big red flag for me. And a lot of them came against contact. And overall, there were a lot of players I had higher on my board, including Darrell Henderson of Memphis. But if you want to keep it in the same position group there. But he was really tough to eval for me, Sanders was. I went back to his tape a few times to see if there was something that I was missing. And I still liked the prospect. I just didn't like him necessarily in that range. And I'll place my faith in Howie and Deuce Daly to prove me wrong on this one. BLG, what was your reaction when the pick came down? Oh, I think Howie Roseman's reaction said it best. Um, He trolled the Eagles media tonight and he's like, hey, we drafted (laughs) a running back. Finally, we did it. Now you can stop asking us about it. Um, So very strong move there by Howie Roseman. But I mean, this is, you know, this is a significant thing. Like Howie Roseman, until this 2019 NFL draft, had never drafted a running back before the fourth round. And we all know who they took in the fourth round a couple years ago. And that guy isn't very good, by the way. (laughs) Sorry, Ben. And just another miss by Ben. Come on, Ben. Anyway. Yeah. He's killing me. You're going to have to discipline (laughs) him. He's killing both (laughs) of us. Poor Ben. Miles Sanders. 
I, I guess the sell on him to me, you know, looking at this from my standpoint here, is that there's like untapped potential here because of the whole, you know, him sitting behind Saquon Barkley at Penn State. You know, you look at the athleticism he tested, you know, not amazing, but like good. The thing about him, I guess, to me is that like, I'm going to read you here from what um, Thor Nystrom from Roto World wrote about him. I think this kind of sums up Miles Sanders to me. And the quote is, if Sanders hits his ceiling, he's going to become one of the best backs in this class perhaps even the very best. If it turns out that this is just sort of who he is, then he'll be a solid enough committee guy, eminently replaceable. And from, you know, that seems like kind of spot on for what I think of Miles Sanders there. Um, And that's kind of like what, so I I don't think he's going to be this horrible player for the Eagles, but you kind of just, I guess, kind of worry, like what if he's kind of just like Wendell Smallwood, you know, in that sense of like, okay, He's kind of fine and probably better than Wendell Smallwood, but he's just not like the, this dynamic guy that you want him to be. Uh, the Eagles definitely needed to address this position in some kind of way in the draft. They needed there was an obvious need for some kind of pass catching running back who can make people miss to some extent and has some kind of elusive ability. And we know Miles Sanders has that somewhat. Um, I think PFF had him 13th in terms of yards after contact per attempt. You look at the mm. skill set. He's able to kind of make some people miss sometimes. So like I get it in theory to some extent. And Jordan Howard is a free agent after this year. Uh, so it's not like, you know, he was fooling anyone as some kind of long-term answer here. So, you know, Miles Sanders can be part of this rotation. He can potentially, I guess, the hope would be, you know, take over as like the 1A guy in the Eagles rotation mm-hmm. next year moving forward. But yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of just, I, I don't know how to feel about this. Tell me more on it, yeah. Mike, if you can. Yeah, well, let's go through some strengths and weaknesses that I have laid out here for him. We can kind of get a more full picture of what I saw from my evaluation, which again, I worked a ton on Sanders because it was a very hard back to figure out, maybe because of inexperience. But some of the strengths, let's talk about that. So he's a coiled up runner, right? He gets good power out of his cuts from gap to gap. Very springy type of guy. So I like that aspect. He can get from one side of the A gap to the other side of the A gap and then chain another cut together with it without losing speed, which is a a, a very nice trait to have. Uh, He pairs that with really good balance. He keeps his pads over his knees. He's got efficient footwork. He's ready to cut at all times. Paired with that power, that's fantastic. You know, as he presses the line, he's ready to go. Uh, I would have liked to have seen better results in space in terms of making guys miss, but he definitely has flashed, and you, you quoted the stat there. He has flashed the, that ability because of the burst that he carries into those cuts that I mentioned. It's not just at the line. When he gets in space, he can chain those cuts together. He can set guys up at speed, which is one of the more attractive uh, traits of Darrell Henderson's game that I really like. So they kind of have that in common, which is nice. Uh, I mentioned his receiving production before being a minus, but the film shows in, in the limited exposures that he's a guy with good hands that can make that, that can take some slot reps if you need him to. Uh, we just didn't get to see a whole lot of it, so you're gonna have to see some improvement, so, uh, a fuller route tree on checkdowns. He was nice, and again, you get him in space, and he's fine. Some of the weaknesses, I think he can be a bit impatient and get tunnel vision as he's pressing the line. And again, perhaps that was just inexperience, one year of starting experience. And that thankfully also comes with low tread on the tires. But I feel overall that his vision as a back was lacking. Uh, Fumbles we mentioned have to take care of the ball if you're going to stay on the field. They're not going to put up with that long. Pass pro is my big bugaboo with him. And luckily, Howard's very strong in this regard, but it's got to be improved upon for Sanders. It's a hole in his game 
And I know people that are hearing that right now are groaning to themselves because of the issues that the Eagles have had in that area recently. So he has to, has to clean that up. He's got to get better with his depth, the way he engages with his hands. He dips his head sometimes and can get blown by. So that is one area. If I had to pick one area of his game that I would say is his weakest trait, I would say it's his pass pro. But I mean, as as far as what Thor said, I really like that assessment because if he is just who he is right now, you're looking at a solid 1B, and that's okay. But really what you're looking for in the second round from a, from the running back position, which has a lower value than a lot of these other positions, is just a higher impact. BLG, how would you say that he fits in the if – if you could predict, do you think he gets more carries than Jordan Howard this year? I don't think so. I think you, know, you have Howard here. You traded for him. Uh, and especially if he's not going to be around long term, why not run him into the ground? No, I'm not yeah. saying, you know, Jordan Howard's going to be a 20 carry per game guy, but that's just not how the Eagles run their offense. It's just, you know, we've, we haven't seen that here in the Doug Peterson era, and I don't think we're about to. Um, so I still think Howard leads the way unless he just struggles, you know, and, and Miles Sanders, you know, really comes on as the season goes along. And then it kind of just becomes a situation where you have to play him more. Um, Mike Clay from ESPN put out a projection for Miles Sanders this season. He has him at 170 carries for 716 yards, five touchdowns, 35 receptions for 279 yards and one touchdown. So mm. like, you know, uh, a pretty, that's pretty, I think optimistic. I think a little, actually a little bit, um, but kind of fair overall for, I think what you can expect out of him. Um, it's just going back to what I said about Smallwood, like some of the things you said, isn't that kind of Smallwood's issues like lack of vision, fumbling issues, pass pro? <laughs> yeah, pass pro. Like that's you're, it's almost like you're describing. And now I'm not saying they're exactly the same player, but I'm just saying right. like, some of those things are a little similarish in my head. And that's that's the part I don't love. Um, the part I do love, and again, the part where I think you can try to sell yourself on, or at least sell myself on, is that you know that untapped potential thing. You know, he's only 21. Um, you know, he was sitting behind Saquon Barkley, which is you know not a slight. Like <laughs> that's. Yeah, you could be the, you could be incredibly good, and just because he's there, like you're you're not going to get that chance to shine because it's Saquon Barkley. It's it's kind of an interesting evaluation because you know you look back to the 2017 draft and what did we all think was so important to the Eagles? It was production to a fault. <laughs> you drafted Donald Pumphrey, the most productive running back in you know college history. So. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that they would go the opposite direction in this way, but apparently the Eagles really loved him. They showed a lot, into, a lot of interest in him. They had him on a pre-draft visit. Uh, Deuce Staley apparently really liked him. They also talked to him at the Combine. I remember um, Paul Domowicz from the Daily News said the Eagles really liked Sanders a lot leading up to the draft. So there's definitely definitely a lot of smoke here around this one, and it turned out to be true. And this is their guy, again, and this is the guy who they're taking – you know, this is the earliest running back that Howie Roseman has ever taken. So I just think that's interesting. You're like, you're, you're, you're he's really putting himself out there and being like, this is our guy. We like this guy a lot. And I just, yeah. I hope he can meet up to that expectation. Cause like you said, like he can be this fine running back and that's okay. But like, this is a second round pick. So that's a significant resource. So I hope he's pretty good. Yeah. Fans will not be happy with that. And, you know, obviously we have a lot of Penn state fans that are also Eagles fans that are probably hating right at uh, us right now saying you can book it. He's going to be a star. <laughs> I mean, the I guy's so, a projection. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all, we're all rooting for this guy. If, he, if he's good, it's better for the Eagles. You know, you hope that's what it is, but you know, you mentioned Smallwood, some, some of the, traits that are lacking there i will say that the defining trait between the two is that ability to cut 
out because I think Smallwood like corners like a dump truck and Sanders <laughs> is able to, you know, get in and out and kind of has that slalom type footwork where you can carry speed and, and it's real nice. So there's a defining trait to make you feel better if you're worried about the Wendell Smallwood comparison. BLG, uh, any last word on, on Sanders? Maybe you want to grade the pick before we uh, take a break and go to our next selection. Yeah, so I'll give you the grade from BleedingRenation.com first. We did a poll, as we always do in our articles on BGN. And with just over 3,000 votes, we have 53% checking in at an A. So a lot of people <laughs> liked it. We have Penn State fans, baby. They're, they're representing. <laughs> a lot of Penn State fans. 35% at a B. So that's 88% mm-hmm. total uh, B or better. And 8% C. So yeah. people like to pick. Um, for me, mm, I think I only have to give it. A B, just from first glance. Uh, there's some things, and maybe that's generous. I don't know. I, I just, I really don't know how to feel about this one. Uh, from from my opinion, this is not going to be a popular opinion, and I hate being negative. I'm probably going to give it a C, just because okay. there were so many other players available on my board where the Eagles could have gotten contributions from, including, again, another running back that we mentioned before, Darrell Henderson, who I think is already a better receiver right now than Sanders. Obviously, Sanders has that ceiling that he could possibly reach as far as being a receiver goes. But, I mean, Henderson's got that 1.42 10-yard split with the burst that he's got. I, I, I would have been more okay with him there. I'm not going to lie to anyone about my evaluation and make you think that, you know, everything is rosy right now. But I, I think we, we've spoken honestly about Sanders, about her, his, about his evaluation that I have on him, your opinion of him. I gave him a C, you gave him a B. Hopefully he proves us all wrong. And he is an A plus running back, maybe even a 1A. So when we come back, Here on Bleeding Green Nation, BGN Radio, episode 48, we are going to talk about the next selection at pick 57 in the second round, right here on Bleeding Green Nation. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on Bleeding Green Nation for BGN Radio, episode 48. Myself joined by... BLG, may he forever reign. Let's talk about this uh, selection at 57 here. It was a surprise pick. J.J. Arcego-Whiteside, the wide receiver out of Stanford. 6'2", 225, big wingspan, 79 and 78 inches. That's 90th percentile. Got long arms, big catch radius. And I've said this on other shows. I I can confirm that at the Stanford Pro Day, at least two scouts had him Better than the reported 4.49 40-yard dash. They had him at under 4.4. We're talking one had him at 4.38. Another scout had him at 4.39. Now, as Solak 
has pointed out. That's partially due to his track background, but the dude isn't slow, which I think is the impression that a lot of people will get from him when they see a big wide receiver that they don't know much about. So let's dispel that rumor right now. This guy is not a sloth out there. Uh, it, it, the way this whole thing works out, and a lot of people ask him about the fit, right? So it kind of reminds me of the pairing of maybe Mike Evans and Chris Godwin or Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall, and that worked out pretty well. People forget that that tandem existed, and I've had a ton of people asking you about how he fits. And as you know, BLG, I wrote this article for BleedingGreenNation.com that talked about what happens if they draft a big dude like JJ as the type that they were bringing in for official visits. They were bringing in like shiftier, speedier, slot-type guys, including Miko Harmon, who we can talk about what happened there. But my guess if I had to, if I had to say it right now, that Deshaun Jackson gets kicked into the slot more, maybe, you know, I'm not saying like a whole lot, maybe about 30 to 40%. I think Nelson Aguilar is definitely on the block. We keep an eye on that moving forward. If Aguilar is gone, that makes 610 slot reps that left the building this offseason when you combine them with Tate and everybody else. This isn't a midseason herky-jerky transition style that we went through with Tate. We got a whole lot of time to figure out how all of this gels together as they work in JJ. And he's not expected to be a starter right away. And you just hope by the end of the year that he's giving you a contribution and showing some of the dominance, especially in the red zone, that he showed in college. BLG, your instant reaction to the selection of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Yeah, the fit thing, I guess, was kind of where I had a question about when I saw this because, and kind of contrasting that to the Miles Sanders thing, like, I know why Miles Sanders fits in on this team. Like, I know why the Eagles target him. They had that need. The wide receiver thing, like, they didn't necessarily, like, they didn't have to get this guy, right? Like, I think it's it's not like they they had this um, glaring need for exactly what he brings to the table, at least how I saw it. So that was kind of made me curious about this one. So you look at who he is as a player and, you know, the talent is clearly there. You look at how, you know, he um, he's PFF's third overall wide receiver. He was 10th in yards per route run. He had the third highest passer rating when targeted last year. And you mm. were talking about the speed thing there, Mike. I mean, he was tied for 11th in explosive place last year. Yeah. Um, Watching this guy, you know, he, he seems definitely to be in that Alshon Jeffrey mode of, you know, just throw up and uh, let him catch it. Okay. He'll, he'll figure it out. Uh, he has that basketball background. And really, it's kind of interesting to me. I'm, I'm wondering if the Eagles are kind of, you know, zigging or zagging, however you want to say it, when the rest of the league is, you know, maybe getting smaller and, and trying to find these guys who are quicker. You know, the Eagles are getting bigger. Like um, you have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And Alshon Jeffrey. Now, JJAW, which again, that's a whole other thing we need to figure out, by the way, with this whole J-J-O. thing. I've, Call him JJ. JJ. I, I, I don't know what we're doing here, the nickname thing. It's too confusing. Some people want to call him Jaws. We can't call him Jaws. We already have Jaws. You can't, like, you can't have Ron Jaworski. <laughs> I'm reaching out, sir, just so you know, I'm reaching out to my Stanford guy. I haven't heard back from him yet, but I'm wondering if there's like a nickname we don't necessarily know about. This is the most important thing. Um, I think he definitely needs to be asked about this when he has his yeah. uh, pre-draft media or post-draft media here. Um, yeah, so uh, a lot of size with all these guys. I think that's kind of an interesting angle to this. And just going at a larger thematical angle here, the Eagles are loading up on playmakers or you know, you know. talent for Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. supporting cast, call it what you will. And that's probably not by accident. I mean, I think they probably definitely – want to surround Carson Wentz with a lot of talent, especially going into such a key year like he is this year. So I think some people will be like, hey, 
why are the Eagles getting another guy who's kind of a jump ball wide receiver when Carson already doesn't always do that to Alshon Jeffrey now? People are going to you know, question that. I think people are going to question, you know, the, the athleticism. Uh, you, you said, that, you know, the speed was there, Mike. Um, but, you know, you look at the scouting reports and, you know, they're like, he's not going to run by a defensive back. So, and especially just because of some of the other receivers they were looking at, you know, like uh, Amikal Hardman or yeah. Hollywood Brown, you know, these guys who figured, okay, they, they kind of want someone who's going to have that deep speed. And you still have Deshaun, but, you know, but Deshaun also turns 33 this year and he's probably only going to be on the team realistically for one or two more seasons. He's signed through three more years, but, you know, who knows if he makes it to the last year. So another interesting kind of thing here where, I'm again, I'm not totally sure how to feel about just because the fit is interesting to me. And the Nelson Aguilar angle is a big one, obviously, that we kind of need to talk about. Now, Harry Roseman, you know, was asked about Aguilar and the rumors that have been out there. Um, To be clear, I guess we should say it's not that the Eagles necessarily want to trade Nelson Aguilar in in terms of how these rumors have been phrased. It's always been like they're open to offers. And Mm -hmm. that's even what Adam Schefter said tonight after the Eagles drafted JJ here. So um, we'll see how that goes still. You know, I think it's still hardly a lock that Aguilar is going to be on the, the roster just because how he says it on a draft night press conference in April. So a lot of off season still before the season gets here. And then, you know, there's the trade deadline in, in late October, early November, whenever it is. So still a lot of time for that to happen if it does. Uh, so it's interesting. I just think the fit's interesting here. And I'm not totally sure about what to make of it. I think your point about the Brandon Marshall Alshon Jeffrey thing is very interesting. I mean, Alshon had some of his best years there working across yeah. from Brandon Marshall. So I'm intrigued, but, you know, I'm kind of also in this kind of wait and see mode. Yeah, and that's fair. And look, this is weapons for Wentz part two when you really think about it with all the offensive talent that they added, not only in free agency, but now in the draft as well. And I'll kind of give you my rundown on on Jaw, I guess is, is what I'll call him for short right now. Like but our single wide side, man. <laughs> you, you talk about his strength. So there, there's so much more to route running than typically gets talked about. But let's get into some of that. Number one, he's got typewriter feet. They are quick. And he uses them really well to get in and out of cuts at a faster pace than a lot of big dudes. Uses his hands well throughout the route stem, although I'd like to see more of that to keep himself clean. He's got surprising lateral agility on film. And I owe a lot of that to technique, which doesn't lock his athleticism. So he gets an in and out of his cuts, doesn't really waste much motion. He stacks and tracks with the best of them in this class. It's all aided by his releases, which are super, super clean. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, he might not blow past a guy, but he's going to beat him on the release and then stack him. And then that is his world. You combine all of that with the ability to create space at the catch point. He's a jump ball demon. He's a serious weapon in the red zone. I'm telling you, this guy is going to put himself in the best position to go up and get it. And he's going to be aggressive about it. So I mentioned the lateral agility. Let's go to some weaknesses. Uh, Some of the hard angle cuts. Some of the comebacks, the curls, there's going to be a little extra step in there. And I don't know if I'd describe it as as a gear down, but there is an extra step there. It's just a product of the body type, but it's there. Uh, he's not at all, and this is his biggest weakness, he's not going to be a yards after catch wizard. It's just mm-hmm. not his game. 
And it's probably his worst trade. He's kind of really like Alshon in that regard. So overall, you're getting a guy that that's clean at the line, a dominating presence downfield in the red zone. Guy works on his craft. I love the player. He's 38th overall on my board. He was my fourth wide receiver. I was pretty high on him. And I can pound the table and prognosticate as much as I like. But we won't know until the rubber hits the road and we understand how all of these different moving pieces right now throughout this draft process, going into training camp preseason as the season starts, how all that meshes together. So the question is definitely out there. It's definitely warranted. I understand it. But from my point of view right now, the Eagles got a really good football player at a great value, and I love it. So I'm going to go ahead, because of the concerns with the fit and how it all works in, I'm going to give it a B, even though it's a really good value for me. BLG, what say you? Yeah, I'm going to go again, look back here at the Bleeding Green Nation ratings we have so far. And again, you can go vote for this yourself on bleedinggreennation.com and look for the articles with these polls in them. So with just over 3,500 votes, uh, only 18% say A, so... Well, pretty much the least popular Eagles pick so far. Yes, of course. Yep. 46% say B, so it's not you know it's viewed as some disaster pick. But there's 27% C. I guess I'll go B- minus for this one. Yeah, I, I just the fit thing, I, I guess that's what I can't stop thinking about. Like, especially yeah. if Aguilar is here still. That makes it weird. I guess I, I kind of get it in the long term because Alshon Jeffrey's getting older. And for as much as I'd love for him to be around forever... You know, his contract is also a pretty big one. And the Eagles, if they wanted to move on from that, I guess, you know, there you have it. I mean, Howie Roseman has also talked about, too, that it takes a while to develop these wide receivers. Yes, so maybe absolutely. he's saying, you know, that's a big part of it. That's a great point, Mike. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's definitely something to consider. But I guess between this and the Sanders thing, I guess my overall takeaway from this night is, like, I'm not bummed in the sense of, like, I think these are terrible picks, like Daniel yeah. Jones would be for the New York Giants at number six. <laughs> Are they the home runs that I wanted? I guess not. And I think one of the biggest concerns, one of my biggest annoyances with the Eagles last year was their lack of explosion. And I just wonder, did that get better? Uh, I think it's not, you know, I already cited that stat about JJ's explosive plays, but is that going to translate to the NFL? Um, the yards after the catch isn't there, which I don't love. Because just last year it felt like, and I've said it multiple times, like the Eagles just have the most tackleable offense in the NFL. Like someone catches the ball and nothing's going to happen after that. Like there's just no, or, you know, or someone gets out into open space, like a running back and there's one defender and he needs to make a yeah. miss and it, it, they just never do. So it's just, it's mm. frustrating to watch. I want that explosion. I want that speed. And now look, the Eagles got Deshaun Jackson back, but that's just one guy. You know, what if Deshaun gets hurt? Like he's, he hasn't played 16 game seasons very often in his career. No, he hasn't always missed a ton of time, but still like, I don't want just him to be the only guy who can kind of bring that dynamicism to the offense. So I guess that's kind of what I'm just kind of not thrilled about is the fact that like you didn't get these necessarily home run hitters like you would have had in a Miko Hardman or a Daryl mm-hmm. Henderson. Um, you know, this, these guys who have a lot of speed. And I guess that's kind of why I'm a little bit disappointed in that way. And I'd just give it a B, uh, B, B minus for JJ. And as a whole, I guess, if we're getting this whole thing, you're including Dillard. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about him. He's a slam dunk A for me. Yeah, so overall, I guess I'm giving it a B as a whole, including mm-hmm. Dillard in there. I love the Dillard pick. So you didn't get to chime in on that when we, me and Stolness were recording. But yeah. you know, we were talking in the Slack, and it obviously made a lot of sense to both of us. Do you want to cheer the listeners up and say goodbye to them? And profess your love for Dillard and the listeners at the same time. I think that's a good way to start to move out of here. Maybe beg yeah. for some ratings. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad because like people are going to be like, oh, man, that podcast was such a bummer. I didn't mean to like bum. <laughs> it was not our goal to bum people out, I think. And I, right. I, again, I don't think I'm like, 
I'm not like, oh, the, all hope is lost. Fire Howie. It's not what I want to give off. I'm just like, yeah. I guess I'm not as excited as I thought I might be, which kind of has me relatively disappointed in that. I thought like, you know, the Eagles might get a guy that I was just going to be over the moon about. And I, I saw right. the fit and it was just like, oh, this is a no brainer. Like these picks yeah. just aren't that for me. I'm kind of having to like think about them more. Maybe that's because I'm stupid. And <laughs> maybe this makes more sense <laughs> than it really does. And I'm, I'm overcomplicating this in my head. But maybe it's just because, you know, it's not the most obvious fit on paper. And uh, we'll see overall. But as always, we appreciate you following along here on bleedinggreennation.com. We have all the written content, obviously, online. Everyone's been doing a great job with that. You, Mike, Ben, both Bens, really, Natan, Solak, Alexis, Lee, Tyler, everyone who's helping out. Dave, doing a great job on the site and the podcast as well. So definitely continue to follow along here. We have a big day ahead of us, Mike, here in day three. <laughs> You'll only have two more picks, though, so... We'll yeah. see how that goes. Um, they they potentially have nine picks next year, so they could you know they could always potentially dip into that if they wanted to, and trade up into this year, or they could trade Aguilar, or they could trade Big V. So there's yeah. options, but um, yeah, we'll see with just two more picks potentially to go. Um, we'll see what they do here, and we will catch you next time on BGN Radio. We appreciate you tuning in for this draft special. Keep it here on Bleeding Green Nation podcast. Smash that subscribe button, five stars, all that good stuff. Thank you, BLG, for joining me today. Uh, We'll return to somewhat regular programming starting next week, covering the draft. We got tons of content, tons of shows coming your way right here on Bleeding Green Nation. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got to up price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hay. I won't get a ball today. Got lost in the ball and A's. I'm flipping the ball. G-G-N!